Ladies and gentlemen, this is entitled Weekend. And welcome back to Entitled Weekend after a, another long hiatus. <laughs> this, this, uh, it was probably uh, a good thing because the Patriots were able to get a, a pretty big win in Arizona. And it sets up the Patriots in a pretty advantageous spot at still being in the playoffs. And what's so weird about this is there are Patriots fans, and I put Patriots fans in quotation marks, that are, you know, they're so... I guess they're upset about the offense and the way that it's been performing that they don't want to see the Patriots in the playoffs. And if just, just to start off the bat, if you're a Patriots fan who doesn't want to see, who claims that you don't want to see your team in the playoffs, then don't be a Patriots fan. How about, how about that? Just don't watch this team because you're, you're, you're an idiot. So uh, Bill, the, the, this Arizona game, um, it started off pretty rough, but I would say what's been the story of this well, this game and this season is the defense and the way it's performed. And in that Arizona game, we saw it in multiple different ways. Josh Uche um, came up real big, uh, among others. So uh, that Arizona game, and before it was really weird, even before the Arizona game, there was this report from this uh, sports host guy that pretty much was – Buddy was saying, oh, well, the talk of Boston sports media, which, well, that, that's your first mistake listening to anybody on, from Boston sports media, saying that uh, Bill Belichick might be moved out, might be, uh, oh, wait, here we go, Jody, Jody Oler um, saying, talking to a few Patriots reporters on air this morning, and it's clear if the Patriots lose to the Cardinals, there's going to be real pressure to move on from Bill Belichick at the end of the season. Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury might outlast Belichick. I, I mean, obviously that didn't happen, but it, it it's really amazing how how game how games like this, when when teams win, all of this is forgotten. And but really, I I would say the biggest the biggest part of that game was seeing this team win in that way. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple pieces to it. Obviously this all is in the vacuum of Kyler Murray going down on the third play of the game. It's a, and that's not a, the Patriots lose. If that happens, if he stays in that team hasn't been good when he's been playing this year, it, it, you know, so it's, it's not to say that, but the game is objectively different, but what the, you, there are pieces you just take away from it and go, that's really what we need to start to build a little bit of momentum. Try to get that, get your way into the playoffs. You mentioned Josh Uche, have we ever seen a quieter in terms of not in terms of his performance in terms of the media, a quieter 10 sacks than Josh Uche's 10 sacks. He, he is, you know, yeah. he'd have a co- multi-sack games a couple of times this year. And it was, you know, you heard things that were sort of cross at first. It was like, Oh, about time. And of course everyone wanted to see him develop and shine. Like who doesn't, but to see him be up at 10 sacks, as somebody who follows the team pretty religiously was a bit of a surprise was a bit of like, Oh, that he's already gotten the 10 and that's such a detriment, you know, and such a condemnation of, of the media coverage of this team, because it, it's just, that's one of the the nuggets that you take away for next year and go, that's a nice resource to have. You can have Uche and Judon really going after the passer next season, both are under contract. You know, the, it, it'll be a contract year for Uche, which could be motivating the play really well. That's a really, you know, important piece doing what they've, you know, but that level and of Uche was rush, the AFC, AFC defensive player of the week. And Correct. He's the second. He's the second Patriot to win that, along with Judon from Week Five. Right. So I mean, and I think people are start finally starting to talk about him. But like, it's not like he was at. He got all ten sacks last week. He, he got, you know, he he got a couple of sacks last week. But he's been playing really well over the span of you know as he's gotten more snaps in this. You know, I don't want to say back half of the season, but close to you know roughly the back half of the season, he's been playing really well. I think what we need to look at is the fact that the defense 
has played really well against quality opponents, even in losses, losses. a vast majority of the time. So the, the Buffalo game is a really perfect example. Did they play well enough to win? No. No, none of none the three of phases three. did. But what they did was they carried enough around where they they held on to, you know, the the deficit as it was for a long portion and kept the offense in the game for a long span of that Buffalo game. They, you know, buckle down when things get rough. The second half against Arizona was fabulous. The first half, they were figuring out what the offense for Arizona looked like with a with a backup quarterback and an experienced vet. And that's okay. But they went on to, if memory serves, it was a shutout in the second half, correct? Yeah, so shutout second half. They went in, made adjustments, right. saw what they were doing with Colt McCoy in, and off to the races. Can they do that against Derek Carr? Absolutely, they can They can, you know, shut down Derek Carr. Are they going to? Not necessarily, because this is the, the world we're in now. And this is going back to your original point, Shaq, where we're talking about you know, what What are the paths? Why would you not want your team in the playoffs? And it goes back to that little bit of spoil that's in he, in in why we're called Entitled Weekend. Because it's assumed if you're not the number three seed, you're not the best wildcard team, that you suck. We're in the myriad of average in the league. We're in the myriad of average. If you look at the Dolphins, who have been this, the media darlings... The point differential between points per game and points allowed per game is wider for the Patriots, which is a good thing, than it is for the Dolphins. And again, different opponents, different things, et cetera. I'm not sure, you know, that's not apples to apples, but it's saying that we're in a myriad of average, but that myriad of average includes teams like the Dolphins. It includes teams like the Bengals, though they're sort of stepping up to that next level in recent weeks and with Chase coming back a little bit different. But there's, you know, it's not just the teams that are behind you that you can be lumped in with. It's not just that you're being lumped in with the Jets and the Chargers right now. You need to also look at those teams a game or two ahead and say, we're lumped in with sort of that myriad of average teams. And, you know, could you get hot? Absolutely. Would it be a little bit more like, the Giants in 2011, yeah, if they were to make a run like that. Do I think they're going to do that? No. I, I think this is a year for development, as I've said the whole time. I think this is definitely a year where we want to see some some people improve. And I think that the performance of our young corners, I think the performance of Uche, I think that getting Barmore back to see what he has for a few weeks, and while people will probably crucify me for saying it, the performance of Mac Jones since he came back in full. Not, take the Bears game, throw it in the dumpster. Since the that game and beyond, he has played high IQ football with a offensive line that has had a myriad of issues and continues to make plays when plays are available to be made. And if we continue to see that from Mac Jones and they work on those items, I think that the 2023 Patriots look a lot different offensively. And if they can look like this defensively, then we're cooking with something that could look a little bit more like what the more, you know, the Patriots fans that are saying don't make the playoffs this year would want to see from the team, which is that like, you know, 11 and, you know, 11 and six, 12 and five type team. And Rob, before you, uh, before I let you into the next one, um, it's really funny when, when Bill, you, you brought out that uh, excuse that, uh, people say, well, oh, the Cardinals didn't have Kyler Murray. Well, the Patriots didn't have Ramondre Stevenson, Jacoby Myers, Jack Jones, Jalen Mills, Devontae Parker, Damian Harris, or Christian Barmore. And, it's football, next man up. Right. Yeah, exactly. And health, I think, has been a big reason why this team has, has I would say, has not performed up to the level that we all thought they would earlier in the season. Right. I, I think that's a it's a big reason, you know, the offensive line has, has been hurt and Matt Jones getting hurt. And then <laughs> Ryan Hoyer getting hurt. Like there's just so many factors that have that have gone into why this season has ended up the way it is. And again, still with 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 a chance to make the playoffs, even with all of this. So uh Rob, you uh talked about in our chat uh, about the Cardinals and how they prepare and how how they you know they kind of have a little bit of a, of a different approach to preparing, especially when you consider what you hear out of the media and out of other other fans and what they think about the Patriots. So talk about that a little bit. 
It, well, um, I'm a hard knocks guy. I watch the in season hard knocks on HBO. And so I've been watching, they do the Cardinals this year. So you watch them essentially the way the show is, is broken down is you, after they played a game, you go back and they recap the, that week, how they prepared. Um, they get right inside the meeting rooms, game plan, practice, you know, player interactions, all that sort of stuff. And typically what you hear when they're game planning in those meetings is specific players that they want to shut down whether it be, you know, a Jamar Chase or whoever, or we got to stop this guy, we got to stop that guy. And I was blown away listening to the way they were preparing for the Patriots. They never once really mentioned a specific player. It was all about the team, the team concepts, what to, you know, you don't even know what to expect, how Belichick will, you know, show you this and do that. It was just, it, to me, it was like, it, and, it, and it really, really and it's, it's all stuff, it's all stuff we knew. It's all stuff we've known for years. But when I listen to people like Tommy Curran and all these other fools and that imbecile from Arizona radio talking about, is it time to move on from Bill Belichick? And I'm like, why would you move on from somebody who clearly instills fear in every one of his opponents before they even get to the players on his roster? You just never know what you're going to get. They do such a great job of attacking weaknesses in all three phases that they've found throughout the season. Um, nobody is better at it or has been better at it throughout the history of the sport than, than Coach Belichick, and they're going to find your weak spots, and, and you better be ready to make adjustments in-game and have an answer. Their MO is they're going to they're gonna be very game-plan specific. And the one thing they do best more than anybody is they try to take away your strengths. I played Bill Belichick before. Parcells was the head coach. Belichick was the coordinator. This shit is real with them. The best I've ever fucking been around when it comes to preparing their team and taking away what we do, what we do well. The question is, do you get these plays versus man or zone? No one knows. Like, that's the hardest part about playing the Patriots to me. It's like you can't really game plan for them because they don't. You're going to see something. Yeah, they play freaking seven DBs at times. Right. Right? So it's like, and they look like, they just look like they disperse and then just go to spots. Seems like a little fucker out there. Yeah, and they're all safeties. They do not do what they do. That is not New England. Hey, New England does this. They don't. They attack you. It doesn't matter what phase, doesn't matter offense, defense, special teams, kickoff, return, kickoff, they're attacking people so they don't run the same shit. New England has already hinted at who they'll target. All over the place. You've matched up with uh, DeAndre Hopkins a lot in the past. You know, and it was, to me, it was remarkable um, to, to listen to how, you know, how they, they really are afraid of and really don't know what to expect, you know, and Cliff Kingsbury played in New England for a short period of time. So, I mean, he also learned and he talked about how much he learned under Belichick. And, but I, I, to me, it's like this whole Bill Belichick is going to coach the Patriots until he's ready to retire is essentially what it boils down to, uh, you know, and to go back to your point about the injuries, specifically the offensive line, when, when they protect Mac Jones, he's really good. I don't understand how people can't see that, you know, like the only time he's really bad is when he drops back to pass and his back foot hasn't even hit yet. And he's got three guys in his lap and there aren't very many guys who can be good in that situation to say nothing of the fact that he's made a lot of those sort of what they, what those, the, the draft Nimrods call the off platform plays. He's been running around and making quite a few of those specifically. He made a huge throw in this Cardinal game where he, spun out of traffic, rolled to his right, and he hit uh, Kendrick Bourne um, on a sideline route on third and nine for a, a huge first down. I mean, he's starting to make those sorts of plays too, but when they give him time and they, you know, I, I don't know, I think he's a lot better than people think he is. I think he's a lot better than people that he's getting credit for, and I think he's just going to continue to get better and better and better. I have a few clips, and, and, and oh, Rob, now you got me going, man, because I have a few <laughs> clips about uh, coming up in a, in a moment about uh, Matt Jones and people have had problems with the way his, his quote unquote attitude and especially, you know, him showing frustration and actually surprisingly uh, a, a couple of former players have had things to say about Matt Jones and, and, and him showing emotion, including Roosevelt Colvin, um, which again, I find really shocking because, you know, you would think that a former player like that, under the Bill Belichick regime would understand and accept and and like having a player showing that type of emotion, but the players do. And I'm going to play a clip about that later. Um, but right now I, I want to talk about um, 
specifically the other <laughs> the other part of of them being Patriots fans being done with the team and what what I find really interesting is this team you know oh it's boring oh it's and trust me I was frustrated I was frustrated watching especially the beginning of the game and but what I re- what I realize is <laughs> this team always has a way to uh you know to to not to come back but just to to recognize the mistakes that they make and not if, if you watch these other games especially today um we're taping this on Saturday night after you know the Colts and Vikings game that was just <laughs> odd to me <laughs> and, you know if I I know that with Bill Belichick and he's and for people who think that he's going to be he's going to leave like or he's going to be fired by Kraft oh Kraft is not going to tolerate this oh people I hear people say oh Kraft is not going to tolerate this yeah yeah Kraft can't tell the bottom of his shoe all all the, all respect to Kraft but I mean he you know he's he's not really the football uh, mind thing is not really Bob Kraft but do you think that Bob Kraft would let him go especially when Bill Belichick is on the cusp of tying or an end or breaking Don Shula's wins record, like what, what? I mean, look at the optics of that. That would make no sense whatsoever. Well, I mean, and to say nothing of the fact that for you know, to just completely discount twenty-two years of success, you know, and not to mention their quote-unquote bottoming out year was seven and nine when they had to reset their entire salary cap and their entire payroll they still went seven and nine and were in the mix until the towards the end of the year maybe the last month of the season was when they finally started to you know kind of slide out of the mix but you're right I mean I I just I I think uh, granted you know we are called entitled town but but Matt like I have friends who are Vikings fans I have friends you know who are a co-worker who's a Jets fan and when we talk football like they they go into seasons expecting to lose you know, that's their mentality. And they're already off. Like he was already, my friend, my Jets fan friend is already off the Jets, you know, and they're right in the thick of it too, you know, but the, he has no confidence that they can win. And I think it boils down to the head coach. Like, I feel, I feel like, like we have a tough stretch of games coming up, starting with tomorrow. But I feel like Bill Belichick, in my opinion, is the great equalizer in all of those games. When we, when play, we play the play Bengals, Bengals, if you line up those rosters side by side, the Bengals have far and away a better roster, certainly offensively, than the Patriots do. But they also have Zach Taylor wearing the headset on their sideline, whereas we have Bill Belichick wearing the headset on our sideline. And to me, that's a tremendous advantage that just can't be overlooked. And he gives you a chance to win every game. If the, if the players on the field don't necessarily don't step on their own dicks and and just play the way that they're supposed to play, do the fundamentals and execute everything they're supposed to execute. They're going to be in every single game. And then it comes down to those two or three plays that everybody always talks about. And, you know, the Patriots for years and years and years were the team that made those two or three plays this season, not so much, but you know, we'll see. I mean, I think if they can somehow protect Mac Jones, they can go toe to toe with anybody, including the Bengals, including Buffalo. You know, it's just, it all comes down to me. It all comes down to the offensive line, but that's what it boils down to for me. Yeah. I mean, it, I think there's a lot of different pieces at play, but when you've got a a smart head coach who knows how to delegate his time and draw attention to the right things, you've got a shot within any game. And I look at that stretch and really, to me, it's about seeing performance seeing players, you know, it's sort of the do your job component. I want to see who does their job and who doesn't over the final four games of the season here. Uh, You know, it's looking at, you know, Isaiah Winwin on IR today. Uh, He's is it's very possible. He's played his last game as a Patriot. And honestly, that's probably a, and I hate to say it because it's, I, I don't like dunking on players. That's probably addition by subtraction. He has not had a good year this year. I think anybody with eyes would indicate as much. He's played really poorly this year and putting in, even when you're at your fourth or fifth string, you're probably putting in a clumperable player at this stage in the game based on how he's performed this year. That doesn't mean he can't perform well elsewhere. It doesn't mean he can't sign on and be a guard elsewhere. Like he could still have a nice career, but he's, you know, he's played his last game. I want to see 
what the what the different pieces here are made of in those final four games. And if we get the playoff spot, that's a bonus to me this season. And I think that's, you know, people will say that's a lot of like, oh, well, what what we're not expecting winning anymore? Well, no, we're we're still expecting winning, but we're also expecting it to be as hard as it always has been in spite of it looking easy for 20 years. And that's where I'm at with it is I want, you know, if we're going to if we win the games, we earn the playoff spot, we deserve to be there. And that's great. If we don't, I want to look at what we did this year that leads to winning moving forward, and I want us to continue to move towards building that winning roster. And that's okay, too, because winning is not easy, and the league has been built for parity for 20 years, and we've been un- had unparalleled success. It does not mean that we can immediately move right back to unparalleled success. No one can do that. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach to ever put a headset on. He can't do that. No individual can. So you've got to sort of, you know, trust that there's some discussion about who's in the right spot, who's where, and crafting the right game plan and seeing who's doing, you know, who's doing what. Testing, you know, I think that Jamar Chase would be a tremendous test for Jack Jones. Let's see what Jack Jones has at the end of this season. And I lean towards, you know, seeing what we've gotten players and really pushing on that. But as long as you've got Bill Belichick drafting that game plan, you've got the crack at the bat. And right now, you know, last I saw it was zero zero in the Buffalo Miami game. If Miami loses this week and we win, we've got the same record as them and a matchup week after next where we could be evening, you know, either evening up, taking a game lead on them, you know, whatever the circumstances that fall out, fall out. But that we could be sitting there with a massive opportunity for playoff seating against the Dolphins as long as they take care of business. And I think that the priority is just to see who's, who's doing right, who's doing their job, who's built, who's fitting into the roles that we need in order for us to be successful moving forward. And that includes the coaching staff. It includes the coaching staff. You know, it's, we've all been, you know, I think everybody's had some criticism of Patricia. What is, what, what does the, you know, what does it look like on the O-line? Do we need a new voice on the O-line? Do we need a new voice play calling? Like there's guts, you know, my gut tells me we probably need somebody else play, calling plays. But where does Patricia provide the most value when he comes back and is still part of the staff next year? They're not going to just kick him out, out to the curb. Find where his skills are most useful for this team and put him in the position to be successful. If that's in the Ernie Adams pink stripes position, then do it. If that's in coaching a different position, do it. If that's his assistant head coach, do it. But look around, see what you need from different players and coaches to gear up for the next season. And if you do that well, you probably win a few of these games along the way and make the playoffs. You know something, Bill? I'm going to put on my Patriots footy, Pat Patriot pajamas right now real quick. Um, While I agree with you, I'm not expecting them to get into the playoffs and go on some miracle run. It's not out of the realm of possibility, you know? No. I mean, uh, Bill Parcells once famously said, just get in the tournament. And he right. said that in 1990 when the Giants kind of snuck in with a backup quarterback and everybody was like, oh, they're going to lose to the Bears in week one. They didn't lose to the Bears in week one. Then they were supposed to lose to somebody else and then they were supposed to lose in, in San Francisco. Well, that this is where the run ends. Well, they beat San Francisco and then they went in and they beat that Bill's K-Gun team that won the AFC Championship game 51-3. to Now, you can also look at – I'm not just saying that it, that's the only time in NFL history it's happened. In the 07 Giants, um, Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl one year where they snuck in as the seventh seed in the playoffs, and they beat Indy, beat Manning. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen. The Packers, weren't the Packers yeah. the sixth seed when they won with uh, with Rodgers? With Rodgers, yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, So, like, Parcells is a thousand percent right, especially in a sport like football where it's a one-game – Oh, yeah. you know, if we find that one weakness that nobody else has found this year, or if we have a strength that exploits that one weakness you have, we can beat you. Yeah, we saw it mm-hmm. today, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's just anything can happen. And that's why it's just like, just get in, just get in. So win tomorrow and then look forward to next week and let's just see what happens. But these fans, these Patriot fans that are like, oh, I don't even want them in the play. But you don't want them in the playoffs if they don't get the buy. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, no, it's like, for me, it's house, for me, it's <laughs> if we get in. We're playing with house money is, I guess, where I'm getting at. Is, thousand percent. I, yeah, it's like if we get in, wonderful. It's yeah. a, it's it's a it's a nice surprise. Just and like I, just I, like last year. 
right. It's a nice surprise, and I'm going to root for them hard. And they could, if they go on a Cinderella run, people will never hear the end of it. But it's, I, you know, for me, it's I don't want to, you know, I, I, I want, I don't want to lose sight of what's what the most critical part of the next few weeks is. And I hate to be the looking to next season guy, but I think it's a little bit more looking to, you know, let's let, let's see what we've got. Because we'll there's a lot of, of cap space, a lot of draft picks, yep. a lot of positioning to be done next year. It's Mac's third year. It's when you really want to start to determine if he's the guy. I, like, I, I just, I don't want to go out there and like say when it all costs, you know, put out, you know, I want to, who do you got? What's moving for, what's going to move you forward successfully beyond this year. And if you win with that and make the playoffs, then you're getting those people meaningful snaps and experience in the postseason as well. And that's huge also, but right. house money at that point. So it's sort of a, I'm not expecting it. Nice surprise going in to see development of the players over the remaining four games. Right. And we'll have plenty of time to get to next year after this one's over. But if they get into the playoffs this year, it also gives us the opportunity when people start coming at us about, you know, Mac Jones, this Mac Jones, that, well, the guys made the playoffs his first two years in the league. Show me another rookie. Show me another quarterback that did that. Josh Allen didn't do that. Patrick Mahomes didn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, show me all these quarterbacks that, that you're going to throw I, I mean, in my face. That had a I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lightly <laughs> whisper because I think people will take it as me saying that he's better than him, but. Tom Brady didn't make the Did playoffs not. his first yep. two seasons. Uh, yeah. Like, not saying he's Brady, not saying he's better than Brady. No one, no one asked me. And on I'll Twitter. tell you this. I'll tell you this. He's gonna have uh, well, the team. I would. I mean, am I? Am I? Yeah, maybe I'll put on my footy pajamas here, Rob. But am I? Like, don't you think this team is going to play a lot better than last year's team did? In, uh, in if they make a imaginary playoff game don't you think they'll give a little bit of better effort i mean you can't give a worse effort than last year so well well, i mean who did who did we have in the secondary against one of and and give josh allen his flowers one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl and we had i believe we had razai dowling out there and yeah, a person and, and whose name Sean I, Springs. Sean, uh, I, that's the person whose name I was going to say. I cannot remember his name, but he had a, his name was Double S, Sean Springs. Yes. And like the, I am a. My wife will look at me and ask me, "You remember this game?" Or I'll ta- start talking. I'll be like, "Remember this play from seven years ago?" And that's how my brain works when I can't remember a player that played in the playoff game. That's bad. That's that's yeah, real no, bad. I don't think so, I've ever heard of that guy before. <laughs> me neither i've never I, I didn't even realize like he was on the team like how did he get first of all how did he get on the team and then and then how did he get on the playoff roster right and then yeah he started that, right and and that's the craziest thing of all of that like that's why you've got to take last year's playoff game with a with a grain of salt because they didn't they didn't have near the the talent that they you know and people love jc but i'd rather have three or four really good corners than one great corner and a couple of people that get picked on. To me, um, well, I want to go back now to uh, Matt Jones and all this hullabaloo about Matt Jones uh, screaming at, I mean, well, first of all, who was he screaming at? Because it's, it's like, and, and then second of all, I love all the people who are like, Oh, what's he doing? Oh, I don't like that. The same people who were saying that they don't they didn't like him screaming when he was when he was hurt. And so what do you want? Do you want do you want him to be a robot? Do you want him to not show emotion? But then when he shows emotion, he's not showing him he's not supposed to because he's Matt Jones. And well, somebody has a, a different opinion. And that's Matthew Slater, somebody that I will listen to other than uh, rather than all these idiot fans in media. Um, this is Matthew Slater talking about Matt Jones for him growing as a leader on the Patriots this season. I think he continues to find his voice. I think one thing Devin and I do is to encourage him to exercise his voice more. Um, you know, it's sometimes tough when you got a guy like Devin. You kind of feel like you got to defer to him all the time. But I think Devin has really been intentional about like, hey, this is your team. You know, you need to speak up. You need to take ownership. And I think he's done that. Um, and, you know, that's tough. I don't care if you're in. You know who you are in year two. That's going to be tough, and he's done a really good job of that. So, um, you know, it's great to see him continue to grow in that role. And um, you know, I know we look to him for that leadership, and he's done a great job. So, that that's that's it. There you go. Period. Uh, 
if he's a leader on the team, the players clearly think that he's leader on the team. So, I mean, that that that's a, that should be the end of it. Of course, it should. That of course it should. That Slater is the absolute ideal teammate. And he is also somebody who's not coming out and spewing BS. If he would rather say nothing than lie, he's that type of guy. So he's not saying that to like pump, you know, to pump people up or do things like that. That's not how he is. So, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, he, you know, I'm sure people from the outside might have different opinions about Mac showing some, some attitude, but we watched tom brady for 20 years and can we go back and think about what tom brady did tom brady had straight up screaming matches with billy o'brien on the sideline tom brady still to this day is you know the number one nemesis of the microsoft tablet like what are we doing here like a guy that shows the fire and the passion and is you know saying no i want this you know we mocked it a few weeks ago but it's the peyton manning when i tell you know you know, you we call the plays when you need a block, block. It, it's every great and even very good quarterback has an attitude to them in the moment. And I think what people are neglecting, and I think a lot of it comes from the, you know, the the yelling that happened, you know, when he was walking out onto the field and sort of looked like he was brushing something off. You have no idea the context of that. But what you do have the context of is after things worked successfully, he went over to Matt Patricia, and they were laughing. So do you think that Matt Patricia took that seriously? Do you think Matt Patricia hasn't gotten thick skin over the span of his football career? Do you think if Mac Jones told him to go fuck off, that he's like, oh, my stars, I will never play that gentleman again. <laughs> ne- you're never getting another play action again and twirling his evil mustache? No. He's understanding of a of what needs to happen in the progression of a leader. And you know what? If the if the reports that are out there right now are true that the players wanted to like, you know, come together and sort of galvanize a message. If Max, the guy they're putting that message behind, you should feel good about Mac Jones. Like, what are we doing? I don't like, I'm not telling you that's true, not true, whatever. But if there's a message that needs to be put out there and Mac Jones is the one leading that message, then that tells you that players with a lot of experience and a lot of, a lot of success this year, even in spite of maybe some offensive struggles throughout the year are trusting Mac Jones and believe in Mac Jones. And if those players believe in Mac Jones, if Matt Judon is saying Mac Jones is my guy and I'd follow him anywhere, which he has said, then you know what? I'm going to believe in Mac Jones too. Cause I'm going to trust the sources in the building that are telling us what they believe. And I don't need, you know, Ben Volan's direct messages on his 15th Twitter account to tell me what they believe. What I need, need... Yeah, Vol- Volan Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Volan Ben. You know, it's, he's just making it too easy with Troll and Ben, ben being <laughs> right there. It's so simple. Um, but it's <laughs> but it's just it's asinine that we're playing the psychology there. And I think it all really is rooted in the dislike of Matt Patricia in the role that he's currently in. And you know, I don't think anybody here is arguing that he's been an exceptional offensive play caller this year. I think we're all sort of in a spot where it's let's see what you know. I, I let's see what happens this off season in regards to play calling. Maybe that's a different voice coming in, but the hatred and the vitriol leads to like, oh look, Mac is rebelling and he's ruining Mac. And can we trust that Mac Jones is a professional and an, and an adult that can have a conversation? And when he gets pissed off, might let you hear it but can have a, a normal human conversation with a coach on the mm-hmm. sideline, considering he's been coached by Saban and Belichick and some of the most hard-ass coaches in the world. I think we could probably trust that and move forward. Well, to say nothing of the fact, we also have context as to why he was yelling and why he was pissed off in the Arizona game. And I'm glad he was yelling and I'm glad he was pissed off. He was pissed off because they didn't get the play in and play in on time. And he had to call a timeout or right. risk a delay a game when they were moving down the field finally. And when that when offense, offense finally starts rolling down the field and you, and then all of a sudden you're not getting your plan on time and you got to call a timeout and everything's got to stop. Of course he's good. I want, if, imagine if he wasn't pissed off, that would, that would bother me. If he wasn't upset about that, that would bother me. And if he wasn't upset about the offense sputtering and getting fired up, that would bother me. You also saw clips of him on the sideline, you know, pumping his team up when they were, you know, they were down. Some of the Arizona had just scored that James Conner touchdown. He was the guy on the sideline 
you know, talking to his O line, talking to his receivers, you know, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. That's exactly what Matt Slater is talking about. That's exactly what Slater's talking about. He's talking about a guy being a leader of men, being a leader on the sideline of his guys. And that's exactly what we're seeing out of Mac Jones. And the one thing, I mean, I understand the the hatred of Matt Patricia. I think it's dumb. I think they hate him because he's so much smarter than they are and they want him to fail to sort of kind of prop themselves up a little bit. I don't understand the vitriol and the hatred for Mac Jones. He seems like a, a relatively decent dude. You know, he's never, from what I understand, not really been in any trouble. He doesn't really cause any problems. He's pretty respectful to them in press conferences. Even Ben Volan, you know, who who took a two, when they take cheap shots at him. I don't understand. Is it just because he wears a Patriot uniform? Is that why? Speaking of, speaking of press conferences, I love, uh, uh, I, I don't know if you listened to this one, Rob. I, 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 rec- I would recommend you guys listen to uh, Bill Belichick's Friday uh, press conference. Uh, I believe it was uh, December 16th, where he absolutely pants uh, Phil Perry uh, when he was asking about Matt Jones. And it, it, <laughs> he's basically saying, oh, well, I'm, we're not going to repave that road, uh, paraphrasing. Um, but just, you know, everyone's okay with this. And um, it's you're speaking about Matt Patricia. It's funny because uh, our, our boy, a buddy Vinny Jace, um, emailed us about Matt Patricia, and he says, "I understand he was none of our first choices for coordinator, but he's the only coach in the building who has knowledge of how the Patriots use their system and is considered ready by Belichick standards. I would have preferred O'Brien, but he just used this as a springboard to another head coaching job. I know we want a new offensive coordinator. I just think we need to adjust for the fact." We only have three good linemen. And really, that's what we've been saying throughout. I mean, it's the offensive line. You know, it's the big fatties. It's it's everything that has to, has entailed with them. And again, if there's no consistency with that, there's no consistency everywhere. So uh, hopefully it's, this the, the last four games are, are indicative of consistency. It's It's the old tried and true Belichick statement of players make plays, players win games. And, you know, I I think the hatred of Patricia is the wrapping yourself in a warm blanket of being right if they're not good. And I think that's what it comes down to is there's always that, that lightning rod that it's going to come down to, that it's going to, that the blame is going to fall on. And that's not to say that I think Patricia has been some sort of, you know, a luminary at the play calling position. I, I think that's needs something that needs to be revisited and probably somebody else should be taking those reins next year. But I went in with an open mind because it's both a science and an art to call plays. And Matt Patricia is very bright. He understands the science better than anybody. He really does. Like people don't want to give him his flowers for that. He is a smart guy. And it maybe he just doesn't understand the art component of calling those plays. Maybe he just doesn't have the right rhythm. Maybe he's not in the right cadence with this quarterback all the time and that's like you can look at that and you probably knew it if you like you know in the first you know six games of max year which puts us at like week 10 that it probably wasn't going to gel the way you wanted it to and at that point are you switching up play caller mid-year that's not really belichick's bag but it's i didn't want to you know oh he's never done it before it doesn't mean he won't be successful because you know who else hadn't done it before the patriots had him doing it josh mcdaniels and that seemed to work out okay. So I, it, it's just this, you know, it's this wanting to be pro- having the caveat that says like, oh, well, if the Pats suck, at least I was right about Matt Patricia. And I can hang my hat on that and wrap myself in the warm blanket of correctness. Um, so coming into the – so I, I, I'm fine with people having criticism of Patricia. If you had criticism of, of Patricia before the season started, you were rooting for something to happen. I understand wanting a more experienced person. That's a valid criticism. But if you specifically had critique of Patricia leading in, then you weren't giving him the opportunity to succeed. You were actively rooting for him to fail. And at that point, no shot. No shot in your mind for him to ever be good. You can see them on Twitter. like People with Patriots logos in their Twitter bios like actively rooting against you know, the team, essentially, because they, they need to be right more than they want the Patriots to win. Right. And it and like that's not everybody. There are people that have valid criticism and I don't want to lump everybody into a a ball there because it's complex when it's when the when the hot take from the preseason becomes a correct take by the mid-year. It's an odd thing because people think they're going to get lumped in with the people that believed it week one and they think, you know, it, it it's just not 
the right feel and balance there. And I feel I, so it's a hard thing to tease out, but there's a, there's people who have valid criticism of Patricia and valid criticism of him certainly exists, but the people who are like, get this man jettison him into the sun. And we're saying it since the preseason, I don't want that. That's, that's the hot take people. And it's, you know, I, I will still say he's on your coaching staff next year. They're not firing Matt Patricia. Belichick isn't firing one of his guys. Are they going to have him calling no, plays next year? No, Different who, story. You know who these fans want? They want fucking Mike McDaniel strutting around with his pants rolled up, wearing an "I wish it were colder" T-shirt with his Yeezys. That's who they want. Right, yeah. but it, 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 whatever with that. I mean, it's it's just they, like I don't care where he falls on the on the on the staff. Matt Patricia is in some capacity on this staff next year, and people just have to learn to accept it. Yeah, I think you have a. a... I was thinking about the Ernie Adams role for him too. It seems like that would, you know, fit his sort of, you know, cerebral kind of intelligent sort of guy. You know, that's exactly what Ernie Adams was. Maybe a little awkward, maybe not great one-on-one with players. I don't know if, I mean, it seems like the defense when he was coordinating that defense, those guys loved, loved, you know, Hightower and all those guys spoke glowing. So I don't think he's quite as awkward as Ernie Adams was. That's not what I'm saying. But I think him up in the booth, up in the skybox, just, kind of noticing shit so to speak yeah. you know like that would be a good like, and like and you know what maybe that maybe the hot takers would like that with the we're gonna put him in a we're gonna put him in a room and have him <laughs> hide cave. in a corner <laughs> and watch film and come out with the three things that you really need to watch out for and help plan like maybe they'd like that but i i like i agree i think that's a, a the right place for him but like if you're hoping for him to get fired you're setting yourself up for a bad time He's not going to get fired. Will he have a different role next year? My gut tells me probably. I, I just don't see how you'd roll him back out as the play caller next year after such a, a tumultuous year, even if it wasn't his fault. If you have the opportunity to bring in an experienced play caller, and that could very well be Billy O'Brien coming back in. That's a distinct possibility. I don't think he's going to be you know, gearing up for head coaching jobs right off jump. I think he's probably going to be jumping to an NFL offensive coordinator position again. Well, let's move on to the uh, Raiders game tomorrow. And what I find really interesting, speaking of all these coaching uh, discussions, is now the discussion is everyone wants Josh McDaniels back. And, you know, seeing as, you know, Josh McDaniels has had some sort of problem with the with the Raiders this year, now it's, you know, especially on NBC Takes Boston, it's all, it's it, like he, Josh McDaniels is, 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 better than Bill Belichick according to them now like it's it's first everyone wanted to change on the offense when it comes to coaching but now it's should they have kept him and it, it's unbelievable so uh it, what what do you guys think about first of all th- this game in particular um I think I think it's going to be uh because everybody and and another thing that they keep is oh well, well what was that headline I think it was from either the Globe or the Herald oh well Bill Belichick's uh, proteges have he he's lost to all, Bill Belichick has lost to all of his proteges or whatever whatever that stupid headline was it's 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 like the context is gone from from all from all sports media these days um, what do you guys think about these uh, this game in particular as far as um, the guys that are coming back and guys that we're going to see play, like maybe possibly a JJ Taylor, considering that uh, Ramondre Stevenson may be a little bit on the uh, iffy side. I think this game is, uh, I was calling it earlier the immediate Super Bowl because they, this is where their narratives, this are real, the rubber's going to meet the road for their bullshit. <laughs> They've been pushing the Josh McDaniels is better than Bill Belichick. Jo- you know, Belichick should have done more to keep me all this nonsense since the spring and if the Patriots go into Vegas and put it on McDaniels and his Raiders in, I would say they're pro- the Raiders are probably already out of it, but clearly they're not mathematically out of it. So it's, you know, a quote unquote must win game for them. If the Patriots win this game tomorrow, I don't know where they go from here. I mean, I'm sure they'll figure out a way to pivot out around it and, you know, continue with their nonsense. But as far as the, the game goes, Again, you know, you just mentioned Phil Perry. Phil Perry is the NBC Sports, you know, hot take Boston. He's their draft guru guy, right? 
that's what he does all offseason is he, you know, he ranks players and he tells you who the Patriots should draft, this, that, and the other. Why has he not mentioned all of these rookies all year? Instead, he's stuck in these narratives. Who's calling the plays? How many times has Mac Jones in shotgun? This last week after, you know, Damian Harris was out, Ramondre Stevenson goes out in the first quarter, and all of a sudden Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong come out of nowhere and have huge games. Marcus Jones has been this Swiss army knife offense, defense, special teams. He had a, uh, you know, a, a reception an interception touchdown punt return touch. Like this guy's been all over the field. All of these guys are rookies or second year players. Josh Uche, a third year player, you know, all these guys are starting to perform. And rather than talk about this instead, what do we get after that game from Phil Perry? The draft guy is we get Mac Jones's intended air yards were down. I don't even know what that means. It's some PFF bullshit statistic. What are we doing here? You know, but as far as the game tomorrow, I think this is a, you know, this is a, a winnable game for the Patriots. Um, it looks like they're getting Jacoby Myers back as well, which is huge. Um, Trent Brown said earlier this week that he's finally back to hundred percent. I guess he had the flu or he had something going on. And lost he lost 12, 12 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Lost 12 pounds, but now he's feeling like, if that's the explanation as to why Trent Brown has been very un-Trent Brown like the last, you know, month, and all of a sudden he is back to 100%, you know, and he can lock down that left side. A lot, and Connor, and a lot of people have a lot of people have a lot of, of explaining to do as far right. as kissing him. And I don't really think there's a huge difference between Connor McDermott and right tackle and Isaiah Wynn at right tackle. And if McDermott could actually get better and, and be half decent, um I think it's a tough task going against Max Crosby this week. Max Crosby's the only guy on that team that really scares the crap out of me because he's the guy who can completely wreck the game. But we have two guys like that on our end, and Farmore's coming back. So I think the game will come down to the pass rushing on both sides. I think if Barmore, Judon, Uche, you know, these guys can get home, and then I think the Patriots will be okay. I think no matter who they roll out at running back, clearly Belichick has a tight because Kevin Harris looks a lot like Damian Harris to me. And Pierre Strong's the fastest guy I've seen in the Patriots' backfield in recent memory. So I think if they can, if the Patriots' pass rush and defense shows up tomorrow, they win the game. That's kind of where I'm at with it. For me, it's the key is going to come down to what type of third down situations do the Patriots put themselves into? Because if you allow Max Crosby to pin his ears back and Chandler Jones on the and Chandler on the other side, it's you're going to get waxed in the backfield. It's just, that's how the O-line is operating this year. Max Crosby is going to eat them alive if they're in third and long routinely. So the first and second down calls are really going to matter because, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a, I don't want to say it's an impossible task, but to ask for, uh, you know, a fourth string tackle to be able to deal with Crosby is going to be really difficult. Um, and obviously at that point, you're probably bringing in tight end help, which still hasn't really been stemming the tide when we've done it. I don't think that, you know, I, I think Hunter Henry's come on in the passing game in recent weeks, but I don't think his blocking has been what it was last year. I don't know what's going on there, um, but it's definitely been, and part of it's the situations he's been leaving himself in, you know, or he's been left in where he's been doing one-on-one -on -one with the defensive end like that. You can't do that. Um, but uh, his blocking just hasn't been quite as effective. So I think the first and second down, get yourself into third and medium at a minimum. Don't limit the third and longs. That's going to be the key to the game. I think that you certainly, you know, I, I the gut, my gut tells me this is a game where it's like if there are those three key plays of the game, that it's the Pats really would probably need one of those three plays to go their way to win, and the the Raiders probably need all three. Um, just based on how the teams have played. The Raiders have made more mistakes than the Patriots. They have not been as, as inconsistent as the Patriots have been. The Raiders have been less consistent. Um, they've made boneheaded mistakes with a higher frequency. You know, let's go back to the, you know, the, let's go back to the, you know, um, unsportsmanlike conduct for knocking the ball out of the hand to slow down the, the time at the end of the game. Like boneheaded mistake against the Rams. That was a boneheaded mistake. They are not, disciplined in the way that you would expect somebody from the Belichick tree would coach a team to be disciplined. Um, but I, I think the whole thing comes down to limiting pressure in ways that isn't just letting your line block and scheming that upright. So it's yes, more of those low intended pass yard plays, some of those screen opportunities. What I loved is that those looked like Mac audibles to me. 
And like, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. You know, it's a, you know, novice person over here, but when he's tapping the side of his helmet, when he's given a little signal, there's something going on there. And when he's seeing cushion now, he's taking the free five yards. And with the way this offense operates, good. You should take the free five yards they're handing you by being cushioned off at seven yards deep to avoid the deep shot. Like the Cardinals gave them that that play to them all game long, and Mac took advantage of it. If that's the type of command Mac has, and the running game pushes through, then I think we're in really good shape. But it's going to come down to for the Patriots' offense to score enough points to win because the Raiders will score some points. You're not stopping Jacobs and Devontae Adams and the whole nine. Like, you're just not. So they're going to score some points. For the Patriots to score the points they need to win, the biggest key is to just stay out of third and long. Because that's where disaster happens. Turnovers happen. Sacks that pin you even farther back happen. And, you know, we, we know that the punting struggles have been there. So we want to minimize how deep the punter has to kick it to flip the field position in the situations where you do have to punt. Yeah, so it's going to be a really, really interesting game. And, uh, man, I, 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 I can't want them to win this. So not that this, not that the season isn't even more interesting, but, again, I'm just happy that it's just – it's turning out the way it is with them still having a chance, especially this late in the season, because with everything that's happened, I think it's it's a testament to still how – even even in this season of, of – of change and and kind of tumultuous injuries and all of this, they still have a chance, and I think that's all you can really ask for with a team like this. So a win uh, on a win on Sunday means meaningful I, January football. Yeah, because the that Miami game will be New Year's Day, meaningful January football, and you know with a one and three start and Mac going down, what more could you have asked for at this stage in the season? Exactly. So uh, one last thing I want to address is um, this. There was this thread on Twitter uh, a few days ago. Um, and of course, all, all of these all of these idiots were ESPNers and, and other, you know, fake people. Um, and this just really underlines and emphasizes how terrible not just Boston sports media is, but sports media in general, especially football sports media. Um, Dan Olofsky, yes, he of the uh, running running backwards into the end zone <laughs> to take a safety, uh, Dan Olofsky. Um, first of all, he starts this tweet out with, there's a lot of great reporters who cover the Patriots. Ah, it's wrong, wrong right there. Ooh, so that, tomato, that, tomato. That, that, yeah, tomatoes. That's strike one right there. Um, can you? Can one of you ask any directly, either Coach Belichick or Patricia Judge, why? Why the use of so much shotgun? Why they believe that's what's best for their offense and the players they have? Thanks in advance. And I mean, okay, so obviously we know that, that that's not going to happen. But then this guy Randy Scott, you know, the Z-list ESPN Sports Center anchor, probably um, anchoring uh, like three a.m. Um, he goes, "It's the NFL's North Korea, brother." Great reporters cover that team, but the info crackdown is real. No one says anything out of fear of upsetting the system. So yeah, comparing comparing an an, an a football media contingent to a dictatorship. <laughs> so just because again, this is what they want the Mike McDaniels of the world. They want the guys who are making their jobs easier. Bill Belichick makes their lives hard, and he has done that for 22 years, and that's why they had this glad hand this circle jerk of, of of threads and then you have this other guy i don't, I don't even know where he is uh george bilecki um from nesson of course you know forget it forget about all the stuff that's happening on yawkey way with the red sox um this guy uh, talking about oh i was so confused with north korea then it was perfectly put like go fuck yourselves all of you yeah it's they understand that they're not owed a fucking thing right like you're not owed an answer to anything and for you to for like the north korea thing is just stupid and they should know that's stupid it's and they should also know that if there is a lockdown on information 
it's because of years of bad faith reporting from slugs. <laughs> The, like the, to, like the Tomasis and the, the Borgeses and the Volans. The senior, the senior f uh, football writer for the Boston Globe was just suspended <laughs> for lying right. on the quarterback of the team. Right. What so, are here? Right. Like, let's go back to 2001. Are you telling me that people that people saying that there, there was a telescope at the walkthrough for the Rams – and then having to apologize for that. Are you telling me that that might have nothing to do with how the Patriots would approach the media moving forward? Let's not forget that Bill Belichick was the guy with Cleveland who had a show where he talked about making the Bill Belichick peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like he, he was very open to the media in Cleveland. It, the, the, the Bill Belichick PB and J it's a, it's a, well-known clip if you don't know it it's it's worth a watch it's a little weird but it's worth a watch but what like are you telling me that you don't think that this is the find out from the fuck around portion in 2001 i'm sorry do we where do we think that good faith was practiced early on for bill belichick where do we think good faith was practiced for you know the for you know even the coverage when he was coming in it was he was going to be a disaster from second one Oh, terrible hire, going to be bad. You know, Richard Seymour was a terrible draft pick. You know, everything was terrible. Oh, yeah, no, no good faith arguments. And then they expect, well, why isn't it, why is no one talking to us anymore? It, uh, it, it's, it's the find out. You fucked around, and for 22 years, you've been finding out. And I'm sorry that there's people that weren't around in 2001 that are finding out as a result. But the people that paved the way for you fucked around, and therefore you and legacy are finding out. So yeah, it's, it's, it's not North Korea. It's we're doing everything short of stripping you of your media pass because Bill Belichick will just tell you fucking nothing. Enjoy. That tweet just dripped of this egomaniacal sanctimony that, you know, yes. it, and it just it shows everyone just how entitled these people think they are. Like they think, you know, they're they're acting as though, you know, they're covering the, you know, the the White House or Congress or something like that, where right. you know, these people actually do owe them an explanation. You have to, Bill you have to hold the hold them right. to the fire, hold them accountable. Like, what the hell is this? Truth to power. It's shut <laughs> up. He doesn't owe you a thing. And as a matter of fact, it's in his best interest to give you nothing. So just shut up. <laughs> you know, like it's it's absolutely mind-boggling how how important these people really believe they are. It's insanity. I I would though go, I would just add I would pay money for him to answer a question by giving the recipe for the Bill Belichick PB&J. <laughs> like just ignore the question and be like, "Listen, the only thing I know is how to make a quality peanut butter and jelly." And just go in like it, and you know what? I bet money that that would subside all the comments for like a week or two because they'd be like, Oh, look at what a good sport he was. <laughs> look, look at him. Look at him wearing the Nikes. Ah, what a time. <laughs> that, that fuckwad Randy Scott. It's, it's really odd that he works for ESPN and the one guy in Boston media who is actually competent and good is right across the hall from him and Mike Reese. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The, 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 the bubble that these guys live in. You don't even have Same to be competent. Name. You just have to not lie. Scott yeah. Zolak gets a lot out of Belichick. Scott Zolak isn't good. Scott Zolak is just oh. honest in terms of his relationship with the information that he gets from Belichick. I'm not saying that everything is in good faith with them. You know, part of it's the world of radio, as we've apparently learned from Lou Marloni this week. Um, but uh -huh. it it's it's very much the you know, oh it's, yeah, it's we, very yeah. One day we got to well, we got to well, be or the mothership. We have to talk about their uh, their shuffling purge. the chairs over there. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Shaq, you mentioned ESPN. I mean, we can't expect anything from a network that has Mike Reese the next cubicle over, and they pick up the phone and call Greg Bedard. You know, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I, I do have to just add that my wife is in the next room over and just asked why why Scott Zolak came out of my mouth three times, which is like, you know, sort of like saying Biggie. It's That's like, like a Be- Beetlejuice? No, yeah, it's like Beetlejuice or be- saying, you know, saying, you know, the, the old South Park episode, say Biggie Smalls into the mirror three times and Biggie Smalls appears behind you. It's it's just, it's <laughs> it, like, I, I have to look around. Somebody might be like wow. hopped up on well, cocaine and Budweiser make- at this point. I can make Either Biggie that- Smalls appear, see? Look, look <laughs> there he is. Those, there he is. Those of you listening... Those of you listening, I'm holding a Biggie Smalls. Uh, uh, what is what is this called? A, a Funko. Funko, Funko pop. pop. Yeah. So, <laughs> Bill, she might have thought it was some coded cry for help too. Yeah, yeah. Blink twice. <laughs> blink twice if you're in danger. Say Zolak three times if you're in danger. <laughs> He's about to break through this wall over here like the Kool Aid Man. <laughs> Save me from whatever's going on in here. Uh, yeah. So that that thread just. Oh, it infuriated me because the the North Korea thing. It's like, and, and read the room, uh, Randy. Like seriously, like my God, uh, it's, it's it's unbelievable. Like the sport, it's sports, dude. It's it's really not that serious. So yeah, but yeah, uh, first world problems. First world problems. Yeah. Let's let's call it what it is. Yeah. So um, so this was good, guys. I, I, I'm glad we're back on on the road at least. Um, Got to get Dan and the others back sometime, but uh, hopefully we get a win next uh, tomorrow and uh, let's get on the road to the playoffs because I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I, 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 you know, we're, we're, we might be in the minority, but that's fine. It's a good minority to be in. Um, Rob is at Hoodie Supremus. Uh, Bill is at the fib 0624. I'm at atomic dog 5150. You can email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com. We're at entitled weekend on twitter um at least for now you know uh thanks elmo uh but uh (laughs) until then turn off your radio slugs